You are listening to The Dr. Kinney Show, and I'm your host, Erin Kinney, a naturopathic doctor and speaker who's passionate about teaching you how to understand what is happening in your body, why your body is reacting the way it is, and how to make the appropriate changes in your life to get your body back into balance. Something I've learned from my private practice is that the more patients know about their health, the more likely they are to make better diet and lifestyle choices, which ultimately leads them to a faster recovery. Each week, you are going to learn actionable tips, tricks, and teachings from myself, along with the help of top experts in the holistic health community, so that you can make better informed decisions about your body and your healthcare. Let's get started. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. This week I'm joined by Sarah Miley, who is a trauma recovery coach, and I'm really excited to have her on the show today to talk about some different tools and tricks you can use to kind of get your nervous system back to where you want it to be if you've gotten a little bit out of balance. So Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's really an honor to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So maybe you can start by sharing with our listeners your journey and kind of what led you to becoming a trauma recovery coach. Yeah, absolutely. So I have started embarking on a journey not quite a decade ago of my own trauma recovery. So I had a lot of childhood trauma that went into my teens. I had my son when I was very young that led into my 20s, a lot of different types of trauma in the workplace, a lot of narcissistic abuse. I've been through it all. And then, yeah, some things happened in my life that kind of pushed me into the realm of being like, I need to figure out who I am and what I want to be when I grow up. So I started going to therapy just kind of haphazardly because I didn't recognize that all the issues that I had was trauma responses. And, you know, six, seven, eight years later, here I am. I've been in decades of like a personal growth kind of personal development journey that I started in my 20s. But without going deep into the trauma, it was all just very surface level kind of personal development. It was, you know, learning, you know, reading books like how to win people, how to win friends and influence people, you know. It was learning how to like master sales and how to like connect with people and communications and, you know, that kind of thing. And then now that I've been doing the deep trauma work, I listen to a ton of podcasts. I read a ton of books. And one day I was listening to Guy McPherson's Trauma Therapist podcast. He's awesome. This was four years ago, actually, this month, January of 2019, 2020, before the pandemic started. He had someone on who called herself a trauma recovery coach. And I was like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. <laughs> and I'd already been in therapy for a few years. So I was able to look that up and I was like, that's that's the direction of my life. Like I want to work with other trauma survivors. So I went to her association that she is, was part of. She was a supervisor in that group. And long story short, I started my practice two and a half years ago and I've kind of developed into lots of other things from that. I now do a lifestyle design program specifically for trauma survivors. I do advocacy work. Uh, We work with domestic violence and sexual assault survivors at like YWCA where I live. And I love crisis work. I haven't figured out what that's going to look like with my business, but that's what I do with advocacy with the YWCA. And yeah, I, I work as a coaching as our modality, which is a lot of helping clients co-regulate and then teaching them self-regulation tools, resourcing them. It's very peer support, very client-led very collaborative goals. So it's not therapy. It's more on the life coach realm, but specifically trauma trained so that we're able to work through those trauma blocks and the responses that the body's having. So 
yeah, that's kind of how I got here in a nutshell. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing. I love hearing everyone's stories about so many of us in this space got to be helping others by after we, you know, kind of went through a personal journey ourselves. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, So let's maybe start. Can we maybe talk about the different types of trauma? Because you know, looks like there's a big T trauma and little T trauma and kind of how that can you know, affect your your nervous system and how your system can get deregulated or dysregulated from something like that? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So we use a little bit different terms now. So big T, little T trauma, a lot in the in the psychology world, we try to kind of stay away from that only because it tended to minimalize the little T traumas, Ah, which are actually a little, yeah, a little bit more complex, actually. Sometimes they're almost more difficult to deal with than the big T. So the big, big T that we're kind of used to is now what we call acute traumas. So this is your, you know, a sexual assault that maybe happened from a stranger, a one-time incident, a plane crash, a train crash, a car accident, you know, having the death of a parent that really impacted you. Those acute traumas that are there, they impact your nervous system, they impact your brain, but that's kind of like that core trauma and it stays there. There's other traumas that we call more chronic trauma. So this is a long abusive relationship. This is a sexual harassment situation in a long-term job situation, right? This is where the chronic trauma happens in communities, right? In the BIPOC community, women in the workplace, that kind of thing where there's, you know, all this, you know, stigma around getting any help, but there's a lot of systemic abuse and trauma that happens there. So it's long-winded, long-term. Then we jump into the complex traumas. And complex traumas is where multiple traumas are happening over multiple years to the same person, different types, and they're kind of like stacking on top of each other. This is where if you're someone like myself, we call it complex PTSD, CPTSD, CPTSD. This is where you... Yeah, alphabet soup. Uh, And then you come into the world, you've got childhood trauma. It usually is going to lead in other places for more trauma that's going to impact you in different ways. So then when there's sexual assaults in your teenage years, and then you're moving into like myself, like I had my son when I was really young. Now I'm dealing with a narcissistic parent that I'm, that's, and we didn't actually co-parent. There was a legal trauma that was involved for four years very big battles that happened there, sexual harassment in the workplace, and things that just kind of pile on. You become the alphabet soup of myself of a complex PTSD survivor. And those are like the different types. The brain is going, uh uh-oh, safety breach. We need to help you stay alive. And this is where your coping mechanisms that you really don't get to choose, especially in developmental trauma, childhood trauma, you just figure out ways to keep yourself as safe and as alive as you can be. And this is where, you know, you might be three, where you decide that hoarding food is what keeps you feeling comfortable. This is where managing parents' emotions are the thing that your brain decides. If you can keep everyone at peace, everyone will be safe. This is where in the teen years, maybe you're drawn to to pain pills or other types of street drugs, or you're looking for affiliations like the gangs. You're looking for belonging. Your brain's like, hey, that's a great idea. That's how you can stay safe and alive. As you move out of your trauma and you come into this new space where now you can create safety, your brain doesn't necessarily see the world as safe because it's now looking for like micro triggers. You will never, as a, as a trauma survivor, you're never going to find out what all of your triggers are. You might not even notice what even triggered you to then later coming into like a coping mechanism that's unhealthy or healthy. You're just like, ah, this was a thing that happened. I don't even know why I'm activated. And that goes all the way back to these micro things of, say you were abused in your childhood. 
we'll say that it was a mother figure, right? Or an aunt or someone who was constantly abusing you. Your brain not only learned how to keep you safe when abuse was coming, it also was trying to deter you from that. So it was listening to things totally subconsciously, listening for cues. Children in like an abusive home can actually recognize the difference between when mom or dad comes home, how they close the car door in the garage downstairs of whether or not it's an okay or safe night or not, right? So you're looking for those really minute things. You're watching facial features. You're looking for a hint of a change in a tone in a voice, right? So that translates now you're 30, 40, 50 years old. You're in the workplace. Your boss calls you in and your boss just has a look on her face that totally sets you off. All she's going to tell you about is like your report wasn't in on time or you made some mistakes in your report, but you recognize this facial thing and that can set you off. Now you're, you've gone home, you are binge drinking, you have no idea even what's wrong in your system, but it was actually a facial feature that was like, uh oh, we're not safe right now. We need to go do that thing that makes us feel safe. And so that dysregulation that happens, you might never even know how to pinpoint that. Some people have learned, you know, tools and and things where you can recognize your triggers. You recognize when someone says something to you, it totally sets you off, right? Maybe it was a trigger phrase that your parents used. Developmental trauma is very specific. That's that first seven, eight years. So important because you are literally developing your brain. Your personality and your attachment and your relationships are pretty much dictated by those first seven, eight years as you're developing into the person that you're gonna become. So when there's trauma in those first few years, it will carry you the entire rest of your life until you do all of this really difficult work to get yourself back in a space where first you can recognize what's happening. That awareness piece is super important. You get curious about it. You start to learn what happened to you, and then you start to supplant. We're not trying to just override all of the bad coping skills, but we're building a toolbox that can help us supplant the coping mechanisms that are more healthy. This is where your agency, that ability to think for yourself, the ability to go, hey, this isn't a healthy coping skill, it's still going to live in that toolbox. Let's say it's binge drinking. It's still in there, but now you've developed multiple other skills. You Mm. can phone a friend. You can go for a walk. You've learned breathing techniques. You can reckon that awareness piece of recognizing when you're triggered, you have different things to grab. So the, the, the funny saying goes, if you need to fix a car and the only tool someone gave you is a hammer, you're going to mess that car up a lot. Yeah. You're, but like you have to fix this car. You must. It's like imperative that you fix it or you're going to die. And here's the one tool you can use. It's a hammer. If you don't have more tools in your toolbox, you're just going to jack this car up there, right? So Mm -hmm. that's that piece of what happens to the brain and the nervous system being so connected to that is the autonomic nervous system. This is your sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous system. And they are in charge of things like fight, flight, freeze, fawning. Like they're trying to get you to a place of safety by using these mechanisms. And that's kind of like where people get stuck because that dysregulation, there are there are people, and I can say this for myself, the majority of my life until, you know, just recently, maybe the last four, five, six years, was one giant trauma response, was one giant living in dysregulation, trying to regulate in a way that I had no idea how to do for all of that time. And then you just build on tools, techniques, resources that kind of help you 
regulate when you're dysregulated and expand your window of regulation. So we call that window of capacity or window of tolerance. Some books call it different, but you're expanding your ability to stay regulated even when there is stress because life is going to bring stress. Yeah. And there's always going to, as you said, if you, all this complex trauma, there's always going to be things that you trigger you and you might not even know what's going to trigger you, right? Exactly. Exactly. Smells, scents. Yeah. So if you're walking down the street, let's say you're in Manhattan and all of a sudden you're now wanting the entire case of donuts. You are feeling sweating. <laughs> you are looking around. You are pet. You have gone yourself into a panic. By the time you realize what may have happened, you might have walked by someone who had the cologne of the person who used to molest you your entire life. Mm. Or that one, say you were just sexually assaulted in your 20s one time, that scent is still connected to that. And that person has walked by you. They are now 15 blocks the other way and you are still dysregulated. So you can never really figure out every one of your triggers, but the bigger things, people in your life that are triggers, mm -hmm. specific people that just always have a knack to be able to trigger you, people who have gone through narcissistic abuse can recognize a narcissist a mile away, right? Like we can just see it. You just have these great, it's like just radar, you know, your amygdala is always working. That becomes hypervigilance, which is then mm -hmm. not good for your entire system. Yeah, it's very stressful. Living in chronic stress, your adrenal glands get really drained. Hypervigilance oh, yeah. is yeah. really tricky. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And then we start to see all the other physical fallout that occurs from that when you're in that chronic fight flight space. So when you're working with someone and kind of helping them build that toolbox, what does that look like? Yeah. So this is, first of all, kind of digging into what happened to them. We do a lot of psychological education. We call it psych ed. When we're working with a client, first of all, they need to understand what's going on with them and why things are happening. I find that that is actually, a, it's a new tool for them, having someone explain to them what their brain and their nervous system is going through and why it makes sense. And then we actually get to this beautiful place of like, wow, that's freaking brilliant. Like, okay, you're three. And when your parents are always fighting, you found comfort in food. Now you go out in the world and there's a lot of chaos and conflict and you're still going to that, but your brain was so smart. What else could your little three-year-old do? What, pack his bags and be like, bye mom and dad, I'm going to go get my own place. No, right? So like we can go, wow, that makes so much sense that your brain decided that that was a good idea, right? It makes sense that you're so hypervigilant that you have to watch everyone's tone because you need to keep yourself safe. And it was not safe for so long. So there's almost like this self-compassion that happens because you recognize that your brain was trying to do a good job. Mm. Always with great intentions, right? Yeah. And so that's actually a tool in the toolbox is understanding yourself and figuring out where all of this came from, recognizing it and actually learning to appreciate it. Your brain is not designed to make you happy. It's not there for content and joy and peace and all that good stuff. I think that's where our soul and our spirit come in. What do we like? What do we not like? What do we need? What do we want? What makes us happy? What brings us peace and abundance? That's your soul's decision to kind of figure that out. Now, if you have been walking in trauma response after trauma response after trauma response, you're in what we, we call survival mode. You actually, if you're like me, you did not even know what it was that was going to make you happy. And that's why I ended up in therapy, literally to sit down with this man and be like, hey, can you tell me what I should do with my life? Because like, I have no yeah. idea. It's a disconnect from yourself. It's a disconnect from who you are and what you like. So learning these things about yourself is really, really helpful. Then from there, it's like, okay, the next time this comes up, why don't we just notice it? 
bringing awareness into the space, getting a little curious about it. It's okay. You still binge eat. That's okay. Yep. You still like go into this like hyper vigilant place. You know, maybe you go out for like a run. Maybe you drive a hundred miles an hour on the highway. We're not going to get rid of this coping skill. Just notice it when it happens. Try to bring some awareness to it when it happens. Get curious about it. Hmm. I notice I'm speeding a hundred miles an hour. What am I looking for right now? I'm looking to feel alive. Interesting. Interesting that that happened. And you stay in that place and then we can report it back and now we can work with it. So now let's backtrack. Before you got in that car and went and drove 100 miles an hour to feel alive, what happened before that? And you start to bring your awareness closer to the incident so that you can have more space to make a different decision. And then from there, we're building what feels good, right? Because tools are tools. They do not work for everyone. Breath work, for instance, great tool. I love breath work, right? Before I jumped on this call, I did a bunch of box breathing, which is four, Mm -hmm. four, 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 inhale, pause, exhale, pause. Four, seven, eight breathing is a great, great one as well, just to kind of bring yourself into a space, bring yourself into presence. For someone who's been through certain types of trauma, controlling their breath, changing their breath, manipulating their breath is super triggering. We hear this with yoga. We hear it with meditation. It's actually a triggering thing for that person. It's not going to be a great tool. So we're going to find what works for you. And I work very, I mean, everything that I do is super customizable and super personalized. It has to be what the client is actually finding useful, right? What is yeah. what is actually helping them and aiding them in their, in their healing. So then we start building that toolbox so they can start grabbing new tools. And that hammer isn't the only thing in there anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. That's a little bit of the process of how that works. Yeah. So it's really just determining like you're like, hey, here's all the options that we could, and you kind of try some out and see what works and see what feels good. And then you have that yeah. box of, I mean, how many tools does an average person, you know, should someone have? Oh, goodness. It really depends on where they're at with their healing. Because yeah. at the same point, if you have too many things, say there's multiple, I've done this a little bit in my personal life, multiple um, modalities that you're working with at a time. So if you've got one therapist that does this, and then you're doing body work and energy work and EMDR and IFS and all of these different modalities, it can actually overwhelm your system yeah. because you're not able to integrate what you worked on here because you're jumping in the next day to something else, right? And so it's also about knowing when's appropriate to use yeah. those tools, yeah. right? I would say a good amount of it is also helping people to establish a real baseline of lifestyle design. I have a program specifically for lifestyle design for survivors. This is helping them expand that window of tolerance. Do we? Do, do your listeners also have a, a video option? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're on, we're on video. Yep. Awesome. Okay. If you're so, if you're watching, you're going to show some stuff. Yes. So I'm going to kind of what I'm using is my hands here. So. If you're a trauma survivor that's been through especially complex or chronic trauma and abuse situations, your window of what we call capacity or tolerance, or this is where you're regulated, right? This little space, it's usually very narrow. So I want you to imagine, I'm going to use a visual if you'll, if you'll allow me. Sure. Of course, what do I have hanging around here? <laughs> I have... Use your tools. Use your tools. This is, I'm finding tools as we speak. So I'm going to use chapstick and then I'm going to use my magnesium lotion. Okay. Awesome. That's going to come in in a second. Here's my chapstick. This is a very, very small window of capacities. Very narrow. Now you get up in the morning, you're here, but you didn't sleep very well. So you're feeling really groggy. You're down here. Up here is a, is an up regula- up dysregulation. Down here is a down dysregulation. This is your fight flight. This is your anxiety. This is your hypervigilance. This is your super up here. This is where sympathetic, your parasympathetic nervous system 
this is kind of that model and that's that autonomic nervous system polyvagal theory if your listeners want to look up more about this down here is where you go into like you dip into like a dorsal vagal response this is where you're freezing a really really deep freeze where you're flopping people will actually get into where like feign death like what a possum does it's a very mammalian response like you are preparing your body for death this is that more depressive kind of area so you get up in the morning and you're just like feeling really low because you didn't sleep well now you're coming up here because you know the kids spilled some milk while they were getting ready for school and just all day your boss is yelling at you you're up here you're just dysregulated all day long as you're going along right as you grow in your skills of keeping yourself regulated so now your sleep is on point you found a couple of good healthy deep social commitments that you that you go to with friends that you trust you're working with a therapist you're eating properly you're moving your body in healthy ways you found something to do that's really fun for you right like you're to pottery or something like that and you're able to grow that window of tolerance. Now it's much bigger. So now my finger's still going to move in the same pattern of you wake up in the morning, you're not feeling great. And now the kids spill their milk and now your boss yells at you. The kids forgot their shoes for soccer practice. You're, so, you're overwhelmed. You actually, in that moment, all those things still happen. Life happens, stresses happen, but you never popped into windows of dysregulation. You stayed in this expanded window of capacity. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes so much sense. Thank you for yeah. explaining that. And when you're in that, that's when, and you mentioned like, you know, when you're in that space, you're sleeping better, you're taking care of yourself. That's when it's so much easier to practice so many of the, like the basic physical self-care practices that we do. Yes. Getting outside and, you know, cooking meals, going for a walk, you know, doing the, like going to bed early. And when you're dysregulated, that's when, you know, we're overeating, we're skipping workouts, we're binging Netflix, we're doing the things that, you know, they're, they're what have helped us in the past, right? It's like a coping mechanism, but it's not going to help you physically feel better. Or exactly. mentally feel better. I mean, I guess it's it's going to exactly. put you in that safe space brain-wise, but the physical body then will start to suffer because we're not giving it what it needs. Yes, exactly. And for trauma survivors, a lot of us struggle with a self-worth, understanding like that we call it self-abandonment when you're so disconnected from yourself that you don't actually even connect to your needs, let alone your wants or desires for life, like life goals. If you're in that survival mode, it's so hard to connect with well, I'm worthy of eating properly. I'm worthy of having friends. Or you have a lot of social anxiety. So having friends, which we're a communal mammal species, right? Like we need other people in our lives. But if people are scary, that's going to be a thing that you're like, no, 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 no. I just want to be at home all day by myself. Leave me alone, right? If you're struggling with depression, if you're struggling with anxiety, it's really hard to connect with the outside world. It's hard to get a good night's sleep when your brain is go, go, go. Or the other side of that, in the depressive world, it's hard to get out of bed. Mm -hmm. And so with trauma survivors, the healing process alone is going to help strengthen and widen that window of tolerance. It, just by doing the healing and learning to understand yourself, then you're starting to incorporate in practices, regimented curated self-care that makes you feel good and healthy. For some people, it's lifting weights versus a walk. For some people, it's bre breathing. And for some people, it's meditation, right? Now you feel like, wow, I have more room and more space in my life because I actually feel worthy of taking care of myself. That's a big problem for people who've been through childhood, like systematically being told they're not worth anything, they're not good enough, always trying to get mom and dad's love, but not being able to get it. You don't actually think that you're worth, you know, putting on your shoes and going for a walk. Mm. And so you're kind of battling your trauma as you're growing your space. And you're saying, listen, 
I'm going to override these old systems. And your your neural pathways in your brain actually do change. There's neuroplasticity that is available to all of us. And we are able to actually change those neural pathways. So now it's like you see that angry face on that person, like when the boss yelled at you, you see that angry face and you go, I'm safe. No, 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 I'm safe. And as you do that and practice these new things, your neural pathways actually change. So you're not, this is not a matter where you're going to have to fight every trigger every day for the rest of your life. It actually gets better and there's more ease and more joy that's available to you as you do the healing work. It's a maze. It's not linear at all. It's not even a circle. It's a roller coaster slash maze is the only two ways I can describe it personally. There's mm. going to be dead ends. Like you worked for, you went all the way around this maze and then it's a dead end and you got to come back out. But imagine if you do a maze with a friend. Imagine if you have a flashlight with a, on a maze. Imagine you had a map. You can mm. go through it. It's a little bit easier and day by day it gets a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 So what else do you have to offer if someone's listening and they're like, oh, yeah, like, I definitely think that's me. I've had some complex stuff. I've been maybe suffering from abuse or whatever it is. Where would you tell them to go first? Like, if they're not currently getting help. And I'm big on my show, though. Like, you know, I harp every time. I'm like, make sure you're getting support to help you through whatever, whether it's physical issues, whether it's, you know, and a lot of people that have a lot of physical issues, there is trauma in the background because their nervous yeah. system has been jacked up for so long or they're dysregulated and they're not able to get themselves feeling right because of this issue. And I find patients exactly. that come in and, you know, they've they've tried this and they've tried that and they've tried this diet and they've tried these supplements and they're like, nothing seems to work and I don't feel good. And, you know, at its core, oftentimes it does come down to they've been really dysregulated. Their system's been stuck in chronic flight flight and then they do that for a bit and then they dip down into that, you know, depressive state and they can't get out of bed and they're fatigued. And so, you know, and again, I'm big on, you know, getting support. Yeah. Obviously, like we can talk about where they can find you and are there other trauma-informed coaches? I, I know you mentioned like you trained with yeah. someone. So like where can someone yeah. go if they want to look for a coach? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Here's what I would say first and foremost. If a listener is thinking this might be me or I might be at that place where I'm ready to do some work, that's a great place to be. And I also want them to really think about where they've been and where they would want to go right? Working with a coach, we do a lot of, it's very collaborative, but there's like goal setting. Like, what is it that you really want to work on? Sometimes I'm working with people where their where their trauma was all in their childhood and they're still just mm. suffering the after effects. Some people that I'm working with are still inside of a traumatic situation. Maybe they haven't left that narcissistic mm. partner. Maybe they have a child who's suffering with mental health. Maybe they're going through a chronic illness. And you're very, very right. Trauma survivors are, the the, the multipliers are immense for being a migraine sufferer, GI disorder, autoimmune disorder, inflammation, all inside of your body. And that is because of the dysregulation, just like you said. So you are not alone if you're listening to this and you suffer from a lot of chronic ailments. It is inside of your system. And I can tell you, some of those are reversible as mm -hmm. you start to heal the trauma. We call it somatically, right? It's like it's inside of your soma body. That's your connection to yourself. You can go into your body and you can find where that pain is and you can actually work with that pain. And if it is not, it's a psychosomatic thing, right? So you're working with the body, but it might be trying to tell you something about your psyche that it needs you to work on. And I and I can say that because it's not hokey pokey. I have done it myself mm -hmm. on chronic things that I've suffered from. So you can definitely find me. My practice is called Full Circle Wellspring. That's just all one word dot com. 
I also have on my website, you can click, there's a link of resources. So there's quizzes that you can take to find out if this applies to you. There's some addiction help. There's suicide hotline helps. There's also a directory of all of our coaches that are inside we're called the International Association of Trauma Recovery Coaches, IAOTRC. So there is a link to all those. There's hundreds of coaches on there and there's different specialties that each of us, you know, kind of niches that we're all in. So they can definitely look that up as well. They can shoot me an email. It's Sarah at fullcirclewellspring.com. It's S-A-R-A, no H. Shoot me an email. Ask, you know, let me know what's going on. I can get you some resources for sure. Yeah, that's great. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was really informative and I learned a lot too. So thanks thanks for sharing everything. So you guys enjoyed and we'll see everyone next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of The Dr. Kinney Show. Be sure to follow the show and leave a rating and a review. It supports me so much. Plus, I always love hearing from you guys. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week.